opportunity to talk to John Wilkes of the band Kingdom of Us over Zoom video. You would definitely recognize his work from the band Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. They have that massive, massive hit, Face Down. But he talks about how he got into music as a drummer. He came from a musical family. His parents were heavily involved in the church and the church band. He started playing drums at a very early age. He talks about the local bands he was in prior to joining Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, getting that phone call to jump on a show where they needed a drummer. I guess their drummer quit right before a big show in front of a bunch of big labels. The band had been selling out pretty big rooms locally, and they didn't have, obviously, a, a, a label behind them, but they had this big showcase, and John learned all the songs, ended up recording on the first three Red Jumpsuit Apparatus records. He tells us a lot about that and his brand new project, Kingdom of Us, the amazing work he's doing with the project, how he was able to bring together 17 different countries, drummers from 17 different countries to cover uh, one of his songs on drums, and they all released it simultaneously. He tells us that incredible story and all about the most recent song they put out called Tranquility and the collaboration that was done with One Tree Planted. And how teaming up with One Tree Planted, Kingdom of Us has released some limited edition merch and all the money from the merch is going directly into One Tree Planted. If you donate even a dollar, One Tree Planted will plant a tree in your honor, which is absolutely amazing. And the song is amazing as well, so definitely check it out. Tranquility from Kingdom of Us. And you can watch our interview with John Wilkes on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be incredible if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Kingdom of Us. Well, I'm Adam, by the way. Thank you. Nice to meet you, man. Yeah, nice to meet you. Um, real quick, is it's it's Kingdom of Us, but how is it? What do you guys go by, like Co or? Yeah, it's like it's like coup, like you know how you, it's the the normal English word is C O U P. Like if you're running a coup on a, on another, uh, like a battle against someone. Okay, cool, yeah. coup, coup, rad. Yeah. I just want to make sure because I know obviously it's an acronym, but I didn't. I want yeah. to make sure I was saying it right. Right but, on. But the radio, it's funny. But uh, one of my friends in radio was getting on to me, and she was telling me you should just call it Kingdom of Us. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, for me personally, it's got like three different meanings. It's got K-O-U, which is like the abbreviation, Coup, and Kingdom of Us. So okay. right on. Cool, cool. I want to make sure, well, especially when I'm doing the intro for you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. screw it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kingdom of Us is probably the easiest. Cool. So. <laughs> Rad. Well, this podcast is all about you, man, and, and your journey in music. And obviously, we'll talk about uh, the new music you have with Kingdom of Us. Yeah. Um, and, I go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, feel free to dive in dive all the way back into the red jumpsuit days and all that. Okay, like. cool. I, I was yeah. going to add, that was my next question. If you mind talking about it. Oh, absolutely. I, we can go all the way back to when I was, uh, when I got signed at 20 years old to Virgin, if you'd like, it's all good. I, that's exactly what I would love <laughs> yeah. to talk about, to be yeah. honest. So the whole podcast is about your full journey. And if you don't mind, like, yeah, that, that's the story I would love to hear. And obviously I love what you're doing with the new record. And I want to hear about the the thing you guys did with um, the Save a Tree and um, mm -hmm. what, the 17 drummer thing. I, I was trying to find on it, YouTube. I couldn't find it. So maybe you can help me like yeah. search it out. <laughs> well, the, the reason why you couldn't find it is because each one is individual. 
So, oh, yeah, okay. I didn't know if it was like a big collection together, like all at the same time or like you edited it all together or something. I was kind of confused. No, it was like it was 17 uh, countries, what I, right? We, yeah, 17 countries, but it was 17 different drummers from different countries. It was actually more than that. There was, I think there was more like around 30 and they're all like online drum cover, like YouTube drum stars. Uh, oh, rad. Yeah, so they already do drum covers all the time. I just brought them all together and we released at the same exact time when I released the single. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so, we'll talk about all that also. Which, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was, right yeah, on it was well, a lot so, of fun. Yeah, yeah. So the band, well, Red Jumpsuit Apparatus started in Florida, right? Yeah, Jacksonville. That, yeah, are you from Jacksonville? Born and raised, yeah. Okay, tell me about that. Oh, man, so... I, I grew up in a music family. So my dad was a praise and worship leader at church. My, oh, cool. my grandma sang in the choir, you know, my uncle was a saxophone player and the band director at one of the churches. Yeah. So my mom was in alto. My sister is in alto. My cousin, she is like a praise and worship leader at a pretty big church um, wow. where, where she like leads worship. She's, she has a lot of kids now. So she kind of is not doing it as much. Uh-huh. But my whole family, my dad was a praise and worship leader. Um, my whole family had some kind of music. I mean, even my great grandpa was a mandolin player. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's fascinating because I've talked to a lot of artists that start out performing in the church. I mean, because it's yeah. the place that you are getting exposed to obviously an audience, you know, yeah. and you're being able to perform in front of people. And I just think that's it's so cool. Like, yeah. Is that how you started? Were you in the church band or the yeah. drummer? Or Actually, it's kind of cool. You know, I've done hundreds and hundreds of interviews over the years, but I've never had an opportunity to talk about this till now. But from 13 to 19, my father was a praise and worship leader, and he brought me in as the drummer with a band of full adults. And I was 13 years old, threw me in the fire, said, learn the songs, get it right, and you'll get paid. And every week I got paid between 75 and $100. I saved wow. up money. Yeah, I saved up all my money for three years from 13 to 16 and bought a Honda Civic, 1992 Honda Civic for like a few grand of my own money at 16 years old. That's cool. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, the first car I ever bought with my, with my own money as well was a Civic, but it was a couple, it was a 95, yeah. 94, 95. Yeah. <laughs> That's and like the go-to car, man. <clears throat> Those things run forever. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, you know, I was kind of like musically promiscuous when it comes to like, I played with like 10 different bands. Uh, that's how I got in red jumpsuit because I was known wow. as the guy, I was known as the guy you could call. Like if your drummer had to go to a funeral or he got sick or his mom was like, no, you're not playing a show on a Wednesday night, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Yeah. They could call, they could call me and I could just learn the music really fast and cover for their drummer. So I was doing like 10 different bands and playing at church all before the age of 18. Oh, and then by the time I got, yeah, by the time I got 18, 19 years old, I was in a, a local band with my high school friends called Far From Eden that did really well. And actually, it's really funny. The lead singer of that band is now a really popular country artist in Nashville named Stephen Carey. And really? He's, he's starting to blow up right now. Yeah, he's got millions of plays on on uh, Spotify. And we were in a band together, like when we were kids. That's so, incredible. But That's yeah, so anyways, 
to give you the, the full backstory real quick on how I got in red jumpsuit, uh, their, their drummer left. Um, and at the time they were like one of the biggest local bands in Jacksonville, Florida. So they were selling out like between 500 and 800 capacity rooms by themselves, no management, no nothing, just hitting the streets. They were the band that every time you'd go outside of a show, their CD would be sitting on your windshield. Really? They, were, they, would, they, they were, were the hustlers outside of every show, yeah. wiring and, and hooking up with, with demos. And, yeah. Wow. So I didn't know any of this was going on. And they got the attention of uh, a major manager slash A&R guy named Steve Tramposh, who signed like a bunch of different acts back in the day. And he ended up coming on and managing them. And a few months later, the drummer left. They needed the drummer in a hurry because they had a sold out show at Freebird Live. And... It, all the A&Rs were coming to that show. Oh. Yeah. It was like a showcase type. Thing. Yeah, it was like a showcase show um, type of thing. So I came in, rehearsed with the band for like four days, and then we did that show. And right after that show, the lead singer was like, hey, we, you want to join the band? I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> cool. this is great. You know, this is great. And then about six months later, maybe even though three to six months later, we're flying to New York to showcase for capital. We're flying to LA to showcase. And we're all like 19 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. And was that where that was probably around the time too, when they were like, you know, wine and dining still. Right. Yeah. They were. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, They did. They did the whole thing. They, they flew out and saw us rehearse in Florida. You know, we got to meet a lot of great A&Rs. Um, and then to make a long story short with that, we ended up signing to Virgin because our manager got hired as, as one of the A&Rs at Virgin under, oh. yeah, under Jason Flom. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we ended up signing with them. Uh, and I mean, it was such a great journey because they just fell in love with Face Down. They, they were like, this is it. Like that was a demo from like the first, for like the CDs they would put on the cars. The first song was Face Down. Really? Yeah, I did read yeah. that, that they had uh, a demo prior to yeah. to, the, to that first record coming out. So that yeah. song was there, but you drummed on the record, obviously. Yeah, I, I felt really blessed because when I came into the band, you know, a lot of the songs were already written for that first record. Well, half of them were written for that first record. But the lead singer, Ronnie, was super cool. And he's like, hey, man, like, these are the parts that I wrote, but I want you to do like your own drum fills. Oh, cool. So I was was able to come up with some cool little, like, like, for example, on Face Down, going into the chorus, it was originally just, and I went, you know what I mean? I was able to, I was able to put some signature stuff in there. Add some flavor, your own, yeah, yeah, your own little flavor to it. That's cool. That's cool. And then half the record we we wrote in the studio, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the song. I mean, it's been a long time since I talked about False Pretense wasn't written ahead of time. We wrote that in the studio. Um, what was another one? Grim Goodbye was already written. A lot of people don't know that, but that's like the epic song from that record, uh-huh. the secret, the secret track. Yeah, the secret song. <laughs> and they they wrote that stuff like way way before I got in the band. Um, because I was like the second or third drummer to come in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was great, man. I you know I was with them for a long time. Yeah, and I you did I like stepped, three three records with them. At yeah. Least. I did the, yeah, the first three records with them. The last one was with John Feldman, which was awesome. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah legend. He's like, he blew up. I mean, from yeah. from five seconds of summer on, I mean, he's doing everybody now. But I yeah. mean, at the time, he probably, he was probably, you know, cutting his teeth with more of the, what your guys' style of music, yeah. I assume. 
Man, I loved working with him because we went in on drum day. I got there at eight in the morning and he has his own like Starbucks style coffee making machines, like the same thing you would see at Starbucks. He's got it at his house. Really? At the studio. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he hands me a coffee. He goes, drink this real quick. And then we did like 16 songs in three or four hours. Wow. So you guys were working Fast. Just, like that's fast. Yeah. We were just like, bam, bam, bam. Two takes, two takes, go, two takes, go, two takes, go. I can't imagine if you weren't as like, you know, as good as you are trying to work with him, like in that, in that environment, like imagine yeah. if it, you were like kind of more green to the situation and he's like, all right, dude, you got to do roll through 16 songs. You got two yeah. hours. You'd be like, uh, I, I mean, even as a great drummer, I'm sure you were still, was that kind of overwhelming to work that quickly dude. or was it? It was for me, I, lo I loved every second of it because we did like a pre-pro production drum day the day before. And basically we just went through all the songs and he recorded the entire session. To, he was talking to me. He's like, okay, we're going to do it. You're going to do a massive fill here. And then you're going to go back to the groove that you wrote. And then you're going to do this here. And then, then he hand the literally like, he goes, it's in your email. Or I can't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, listen, <laughs> listen down to it tonight. And then we'll knock it out in the morning. He goes, he basically was like, I want to be doing something else by the afternoon. Whoa. And, and I was like, <laughs> all right. I was like, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you mind? I want to go back a little bit for, yeah. uh, here for a second. Cause I'm curious, was drums the very first instrument that you learned? Oh yeah. So when I was a kid, my dad, I was probably like six. He tried to hand me an acoustic guitar and I handed it right back to him. Really? Just yeah. not interested. It was not, I was not interested. Still to this day, I play a little bit of rhythm guitar, but I'm just, I'm not. I'm more piano uh, than I am guitar. Really? Oh, mm -hmm. But uh, when I was younger, my dad had a tambourine in the closet and I went missing one day. I, I think I was like six or seven. They couldn't find me. And they, true story, they found me in the closet and I was like hitting the tambourine with a pencil. Really? I had found a pencil <laughs> and I was like, Cause I didn't know what it was, you know I mean? I, I didn't, he had never showed it to me. So I was like, well, what is, I didn't try to shake it. I tried to hit it. <laughs> and so he's like, all right, he's a drummer. So that he got me a, like a, an old Remo drum set that year, like a used kit, I think at like seven or eight. And from then on out, I always played drums. I drove my parents crazy because when I was like in middle school, I would come home from school at three and I would play till seven, <laughs> three to seven. I learned right. every Green Day record. I learned every, the first couple of like Blink-182 records, like any record I can get my hands on. That's so cool. That's Those are the, my favorite, yeah. favorite bands like growing yeah. up too. Like I, I'm from San Diego originally. I grew right up, grew up right outside of Poway where the Blink guys are from. So that, that was like what I was into as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> that's So that's what I did is I, you know, I learned all my records and I played and played and then I would start bands and it was really cool. We turned our garage into like a, like a din. That's what I guess is what you call it back then. Mm -hmm. So our, we closed the garage and turned it into a din. And that's what I would host all the band practices. Cause I had the space. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Your parents are cool, man. To let you yeah. do that, to like throw practices there, let you jam out from like three to seven on every oh. day. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, they loved it, man. I mean, even, you know, God rest his soul, love my father. He passed in 2014, but um, he was able to come and introduce Red Jumpsuit multiple times to sold out crowds. 
That is so cool. So that is so cool. Yeah. So like at the House of Blues in Orlando, he came out on stage and uh and introduced the band and then the curtain opened. Wow. And, what and a for special him, moment, I'm sure. Yeah. So for him, that was that was huge. And also, you know, I was able to write a basically write an album with him and, and it's out on like SoundCloud and stuff like that. And every father's day and every, and on his birthday, I would, re- I like release different songs that he put out. So. That's so cool. So yeah. he's a song. He was a songwriter as well. Yeah. He was like a, a Christian praise and worship artist. Really? So, yeah. So he had a, he had a, a, a band called vision like in the eighties in Jacksonville, Florida. And they created a little following. They were like a Christian rock band. That's cool. Yeah. And then after that, he was a praise and worship leader. And he also did um, Broadway stuff. Like he did like Jesus Christ Superstar that was put on by the church or put on locally in Florida. Oh, wow. So. So like yeah. coming out to like, you know, having you with so much success, that was probably huge for him. It was like him reliving like this. Yeah. Like, is well, I mean, obviously, if he was a worship leader, he he had a crowd. Right. So yeah. he, was, he was used to the whole yeah. like, kind of conducting, a, you know, a, an audience that's yeah. cool that's What's so it, cool it, and it ties right into um this whole kingdom of us project because he passed in 2014 from leukemia but he went out you know i want to go ahead and say it. he went like happily he mm-hmm. had be- he had beaten it and gotten an extra like two or three years and then it came back and he was like i don't want to fight it again he's like just come hang out with me until i go and he went with a smile on his face like i love you guys enjoy your life you know, I'll see you on the other side type thing. Wow. That's, so, yeah. I'm sure, still, that's hard. I mean, I can't even imagine. Even yeah. Though, you know, at least, you know, he did it the way he wanted to do it. That's, yeah. That's, but wow. it's cool. Two years later, I woke up in LA. So I moved to LA in 2015. Um, okay. And I went out there because, like, all my friends were like, dude, like, come out here. You, you could be a music director for a pop store. You could, you know, there's a lot of things that you could do, still do drumming wise. So I went out there and I woke up in LA 2016 and songs were just bubbling out of my spirit. They were just bubbling out of my heart. I had all these songs and I'm like, why are these, where are these songs coming from? Mm -hmm. And then, and then finally I got an opportunity to do top line vocals for an EDM artist. Okay. And it was just some local, like some local guy in LA. And I was like, you know what? Like, Let's do this. So then I, I wrote that and then I played that for my friends and they were like, dude, why have you not sang before? Like, dude. And, and, and then fast forward to, I was on tour with falling in reverse, right. With, a, oh, with, an, yeah. with an awesome band called dead girls Academy, which is Michael vampire. He was um, vampires everywhere, which they're doing a resurgence right now. That name so, sounds familiar. Dead Girls Academy. I want to yeah. say like I would I remember seeing them on, you, you know, that on bills. Like, yes. On, OK, so I did all the drums on their first record in L.A. Wow. Yeah. So um, I met them through Ryan Seaman, who was the at the time he was the drummer for Falling in Reverse. And he's a friend of mine from way back because we all toured together. You know, we're tour homies. Mm-hmm. Um, so to make a long story short with that, I was on tour and I used to do vocal warmups with Michael. So we would, you know, I would like kind of coach him a little bit just cause I had a little bit of background in it. And he's like, man, why, why don't you sing? Mm-hmm. And then I, and then I did like a, like a random rock rock version of a radio head song and played it for him. And he's like, dude, you could front a band like no problem. 
And I was like, I never thought of that. You know what I mean? It never crossed my mind. That was never part of the plan. Like, Hey, I'm going to go be a lead singer. Right. You know? Right. And then these songs just kept coming and coming. Mm-hmm. And like most of the songs are written in 15 minutes or less. Like I hear the music and they just come out. Oh my gosh. Like, then, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say like tranquility was written in like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. do you just come up with the melody because you said you don't play guitar like uh or you write it on piano too or yes so so what i do is is like it's i you know it's like an executive producer type vibe so i i team up with i i like to bring in musicians that haven't had an opportunity to get any national exposure mm-hmm. you know or someone that is you know, just to give them an opportunity to get in front of people, mm-hmm. you know, so I team up with like uh, for burn, I teamed up with this awesome producer named Joseph, who now is doing like a lot of metal stuff in LA. And mm-hmm. I'm so proud of him. Like he's, he's doing some pretty big records. Uh, but when we started, we did it in his re- rehearsal space, which was like a 16 by 16 little room. It was his laptop and a vocal mic. And that's all it was. Oh, wow. And he, and he was a guitar player. So he wrote all the guitar parts. Okay. And then we kind of co-produced the whole thing together. And they can, he could probably follow your melody quite a bit. I mean, I've talked to yeah. a lot of artists that don't, you know, don't play, but they'll be able to sing like melodies into like a voice memo and play it for people. And they're like, oh, that's killer. Let me, you know, come up with some chords or, yeah. or whatever. But dude, I didn't realize that you didn't start really singing until that, you know, further yeah. down. Because your voice is killer. I mean, I was listening to the songs and I was like, <laughs> whoa, yeah. like, you know, I make I thought you, you know, you obviously probably did you sing backups for Red yeah. Jumpsuit? OK, yeah. I'm like, so he's got to have some experience doing this because he's really good at it. Yeah. Well, well, it's funny because, um, you know, I did sing backups in Red Jumpsuit. And I'll tell you a funny story. So when we were recording Face Down and this is a story that no one's ever heard. When we were recording Face Down, we were doing the um, the woe part on Grim Goodbye. And they put me in the studio and I went to go sing the woe part and I was just completely off, completely out of key. And Ronnie jokes around. He goes, I'm going to keep this recording for later so that I can show people. And I was like, I got you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so uh, fast forward, we did... Time is the Enemy was the first major single um, for Kingdom of Us. And that was like 2017. And we were able to get it on like the top 40, like indie top 40 in in the UK and Europe charts, Mm -hmm. which was really cool. That's huge. And and you have to remember, this thing is literally just me. Uh, Like it's me and and collaborations. Like there's Mm -hmm. no label, there's no management, there's no nothing. I release when I want to release and you know, and that's, that's it. <laughs> still, to, still, you're still doing it that way. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, the record's awesome. Um, and, and it has traction too. I mean, that's, I would have never guessed that you really have that. It's just all, all you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting ride because I'm also a, a stage manager with an awesome company called generations AV in Houston, Texas. Okay. And we, we work directly under Live Nation and put on like most of the shows that people see in Houston, Texas. We're the production company behind it. Wow. Are so, you in Houston now or are you in yeah. L.A.? Oh, yeah, you I'm are. In, I'm in Houston now. Yeah. Well, that's cool because my well, I'm originally, like I said, from San Diego. My wife and I and our kids lived there forever. And then we we were 
wanted to move and we almost moved to Houston. We oh, came yeah. out there, we were looking, we, we love this area called Katy. Like yeah. it was like a, like a little suburb. They had this dope little master plan they were building, this community out there. And we loved it, but we ended up moving to, to Nashville, um, to suburb of Nashville, but we loved, nice. we loved Houston, man. That's a yeah. cool area. That's really cool. Um, so that's rad. So you're doing that. Uh, you're still doing that, obviously, if you're working oh, yeah. with bits. So it's how did I read on your on your bio that that Kingdom of Us started on like with Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Yeah. Like you're you're writing songs, what, in the tour bus? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, the way that we did things is everybody in the band would would try to write a song and then submit it to the singer oh. for, for Red Jumpsuit. So okay. like, like Elias, the original uh, lead guitar player, he, you know, he ended up, he wrote like the riff for the first song um, on the second album. So okay. he ended up writing like that whole song was kind of structured around him. Mm -hmm. So I started, I was like, well, I think I could write. So I started writing songs and then I realized, no, I'm going to keep these for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I, yeah. so, I, so I started writing, um, Kingdom of Us songs in like 2008, 2009 in the back of the tour bus at like okay. three, two, three in the morning, just rocking acoustic guitar rhythm, of course, because I'm not a, a super guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> but writing songs for that, that eventually became this project. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever pitch anything to Red Jumpsuit or you just kind of were like, eh, I'm just going to keep this for myself. I, I mean, I, I showed them a couple things and it, it's also kind of a funny story. I also did like a private um, I sent my very low budget recording ideas to further seems forever. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Cause they were looking for a vocalist for like an album. I, I ended up not getting the part or anything, but I did do that. And that was like, I want to say like two, two, 2011. I can't remember what year it was, but, but our uh, tour manager, Brad was uh at the time he was really good friends with Further Sins Forever and they were looking for a vocalist and he listened to some of my demos. He's like, this is really good. He's like, so send it to him. So that's what, so that's kind of funny story. That know? is, that is. Yeah. Cause they, well, uh, they had Chris Caraba right in the beginning yeah. that's, and then he left and they kept, they carried on what they picked up again after. Yeah. Okay. So what they did now, this is actually kind of cool. They're coming back together for the first time um, with their second vocalist, Jason, which is my favorite singer from that band. Cool. And they're playing About a Burning Fire, which is their second album. They're going to play that at Furnace Fest this year, which is kind of interesting. That's huge. That's yeah. really cool. I love when bands are doing that, like yeah. coming back and then playing like a record in full or doing a record that you know, maybe someone's never heard all the way through. Like, yeah. it's just, it's so cool. I, yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of Alkaline Trio and they did that. They did like four tours or like they would just do an album or then one night they do an album, like Taking Back Sunday did that recently yeah. where they did like their first record and then the second one or the third one. I, I, that's always cool to me because it's like, you, there's definitely songs from those records that they probably have never taken the time to play live or especially when they uh. get kind of success. It's like, they're not going to play you know, some of the deep cuts off of the second or third record and then to hear yeah. them play it all in full. It's go, It's so cool. Yeah. Hey, you know, and to tie that in, like I, one of the plans that I have for kingdom of us that nobody knows yet, this is the first time I'll say it publicly is I want to, I'm working on collaborating with some of my friends that haven't done stuff in a while. Like I really want to get some vocalists to do like what they call features 
on some King, Kingdom of Us songs. And I'm talking with a few guys right now about doing that, uh, which is really exciting for me because some of them haven't put anything out in a while. Uh-huh. So I, I kind of want to like dig deep and find some guys to do some records with and do singles with, you know, so that's exciting for me. My plan here is, is to release a single every six to eight weeks ish. Okay. Forever. For as long as I can. Oh, wow. So yeah. you're, is it just going to, you're just going to keep it as singles instead of going like, okay, I'm going to put together 12 songs and put a record out. Are you, you going to play I mean, more that way? Yeah. I think I, I, for now I'm going to do singles um, and see what happens. You know, if someone, if, if a company wants to get behind it or, if, if the team gets bigger, then we can start looking at like doing a full length album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm enjoying singles because I can do, because a project, some of it is very EDM heavy and I do top line for EDM artists. Like we teamed up with Kezo's label, Welcome Records. And mm-hmm. I did a, a song with an artist named Sin. And then I have another one that's about to come out that nobody knows yet um, with another amazing artist that's in LA right now. Uh, that one's a surprise, but it'll come out soon. Cool. And and then I'm also doing the more like rock stuff, like tranquility. Mm-hmm. So the plan here is just kind of just keep putting them out there. <laughs> I like it. I love it. The first song you put out was Kingdom of Us, right? It was like a title track yeah. to the so, project. Yeah. So the first single was Time is the Enemy and that and nothing else. Oh, was, Time is the Enemy. That yeah. was the, that. But you that came into like a collection, right? Which became yeah. an EP. OK, sorry. Talk, tell me about this. So it's a, it's a funny story. I was withholding the music from Spotify and Apple music and all that stuff. And I released time is the enemy and I went straight to radio with it because I was, I was thinking, okay, I want to get a label involved on this. I want to Mm -hmm. hold, hold everything back. And then my amazing girlfriend and in 2019, she goes, you got these songs. Why are they not on Spotify? (laughs) And I was like, you know what? You're right. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what I did, that was the beginning of 2019. So I did like a little plan plan to kind of like build it up and i released like an ep in march of 2019 and it had king of us on it um climb mm-hmm. time is the enemy and taboo love and taboo love was written for the ep release so i recorded that in on valentine's day and then released it in march oh wow yeah was there did you record it on valentine's day just because it was taboo love yeah okay yeah <laughs> That's totally cool. That's really cool. Um, well, have you guys, I mean, you went straight to radio with it, which is awesome. Yeah. And did you like at this point, were you thinking like, this is going to be a band and I want to, you know, really take this to the next level and tour it and, and do everything at that point? Or was it like, okay, I got this, these songs, like, I'm not really sure where I want to go with it. Yeah. I mean, I would, you know, I would always love to tour it, but for me, it's more about let's see what happens. Okay. You know, I'm just going to keep releasing music because nowadays you can write and record and release music and it doesn't cost thousands of dollars like it did back in the day. So yeah. for me, like, yes, I would, I would love for it to become a band uh, and take it on the road. And I've had a, a couple of offers, so, so to speak for that, but the timing has to be right. And there has to be right now I'm, searching and trying to reconnect with the old red jumpsuit fan base. Okay. So, so I'm trying to bridge the gap and be like, Hey guys, you know, check this out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like you're doing a a great job of that with the songs. Like it it does kind of not like that. It sounds like red jumpsuit by any means, but there is like, 
it is a, a bridging of the gap. Like you have some of the electronic feel to the songs, but it also has a real rock feel to the songs. And it's kind of like you said, you're doing the top line. Now it makes sense with the top line and all the others. It like yeah. really, it's a really nice blend of everything. Yeah. And and there's still millions upon millions of red jumpsuits in the world right now. Like in TikTok alone, kids are making videos dancing the face down all the time. Oh, and, yeah, dude. You know, and, it's cool. And- this pop punk, like, like emo revival, man. It's, it's so, yeah. I love it. I think it's so rad. And yeah. I, and the, the fact that some of these songs like, yeah, like face down, for example, on TikTok is big and how simple plan song came like out of left field on TikTok, And yeah. some of those pop punk pop songs are coming out and it's, it's incredible. It must be really cool to see the, how big of a staple face down has became in that. I mean, they still play it constantly on the radio and yeah you know it's such a huge song did you guys know like did you know there was something special about it when you guys put it out i mean for me i didn't realize how special it was until all of the a and r's at the major labels that's all they were talking about okay that's when i knew something was up you know that's when <laughs> yeah, i was like yeah. okay. oh you're like okay well you said you guys you signed a deal at 20 right mm-hmm. i mean what was that moment like I mean, as having your dad like later come out and, you know, introduce you guys or in, in being such a supporter of your music, like, do you remember calling him up and be like, I just signed like a major record deal, you know, yeah. we signed a version. Like, uh, tell me about that moment. So it's actually kind of funny. The band uh, kind of made fun of me because we actually signed on my birthday. Oh, rad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah. So. <laughs> There was like an ongoing joke throughout the years that the band was not called the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. It was called John Wilkes and the other guys. Because like, <laughs> because I kept getting like, you know, little things like that. Like, oh, you, you signed on your birthday. Oh, you're cool. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, or just little things like that. Or like, I would be like, I became friends on tour with like Ben from Breaking Benjamin. And so I would bring those guys to our bus. So they were like, oh, John's being John again. Like he's, oh. friend, he's friends with everybody. <laughs> you know I mean? so, so the joke was John Wilkes and the other guys, but That's yeah, cool. signing it at 20 was, uh, it was one of those moments where you've spent years upon years practicing your instrument. And finally you're like, this is why I did that. Mm-hmm. This is why I sacrificed hanging out with my friends. This is why I sacrificed surfing or skateboarding or whatever you were into. I sacrificed for the drum set and the drum set got me this, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's a testament to people out there that are listening to this, like whatever you're passionate about, if you're passionate about painting, if you're passionate about drawing, if you're passionate about making music, if you're passionate about carpentry, go in 120% and you will get what you were looking for. And I'm a testament to that. Cause I never thought in a million years that I would not only sign to a major label, but you know, to Google my name is the craziest thing to me, you know, <laughs> because, because I would, I've always just been a kid with two sticks in my hand. Right. So to be able to still be doing music at 35 and to my whole career is based on either making music or stage production in music. So I'm still here, still doing music at 35 and I'm going to do it till the day I die. I love that. I love that. I want to talk to you about um, this, the, the drumming thing, the 17 countries. Like, how did this idea come about and, and how did you pull it off? So, you know, I have been following a lot of 
awesome young drummers. And I'm all about the next generation of drummers. You know, for me, it's so cool. It's weird to think that I'm the old guy, but I am now, you know. <laughs> We're the same age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's but, but, funny to think that too. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of these YouTube drummers are like 16, 17, and they're getting like millions of followers. And it just hit me. I'm like, no one, no artist has ever given these drummers an opportunity to collaborate with the actual artist to do drum covers. So the idea of like releasing kind of like when an EDM artist collaborates with like a collection of artists and goes, all you guys are going to remix my single, and then we're going to release a remix album. Mm, yeah it's the same idea but for drum covers so i went by myself through instagram and i messaged or emailed probably 200 drummers easily wow. i was like hey guys this is john i used to be in a jumpsuit i got a new single the plan here is i want to for the first time ever get a group of drummers together and release drum covers on the same day and the same time that i release a single and if you if you're in, just film your drum cover, and then when the, when the time comes, we'll do an exact time and exact date, and you announce it to your audience, and then you release it on YouTube or whatever, and then you push it with us, so we mm -hmm. all push together, and it ended up being 17 different countries. We had like two in Russia, like three in China, um, a bunch in the U.S., a bunch in the U.K., Malaysia, um, like just to name a few countries just off mm -hmm. the top of my head. But yeah, by the end of it, when I was in the middle of it, I was able to, I counted everything. It was 17 different countries. And it was like, I want to say like between 30 and 40 different drummers released it. Uh, and all you had to do to see it is to go to YouTube and type in KOU dash burn and they all pop up. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Cool. I was trying to figure it out. So I was, I'm glad that you were able to clarify. Cause I was like, did they all do it at the same time, but though they all released it at the same time and it was all to burn. So you sent them like a, a copy of the song before yeah. it had come out and said, do what you're going to do. And then we'll all kind of get together. Did you have to like manage everybody to figure out, okay, who, how many people do we actually have? Like, or do you just kind of like hope for the, like that everybody would follow the instructions. Well, it, was, <laughs> it was really cool because I had some really experienced guys that had like all of their stuff lined up in a row they had like a whole studio and they had already done like major drum covers and then i had kids that had never done a drum cover so oh, i cool. had, so i had to explain it to them like okay so you take the song and then you you have to have headphones and you play to the song and then you get the audio of your drums and then the audio of the song and then you have to blend them together in a in a video uh program Mm -hmm. So a lot of them, I had to talk them through it and like help them mix and everything. Oh, wow. So, yeah. It was, it was a really cool experience for me to be able to, you know, to talk with these guys and, you know, and give them any kind of advice to, you know, when I was emailing with them, like, if you ever have a, a question, if you ever tour and you, if you need anything, just, you know, email me. And that was the whole point of doing this is to, is to try to give them access to someone that's been there and done it. That's so, you know. I, dude, I love how humble you are, man. You are <laughs> like, like the, for the amount of success that you've, you've achieved and like, just, you're just like, it's so cool to ha see somebody that just pays it forward. Like the way that you do. I just wanted to say, man, I really respect that. I think that's so cool. I mean, it's so important, man, because like it's the drumming community. I mean, 
we need it more than ever. You know, there's a lot of guys that are doing great stuff. Like Thomas Pridgen, who was in the Mars Volta, and he's like a legend for Zelda. Oh, sorry, Zelda. For Zildjian and mm-hmm. all these other yeah. companies. He's starting to do like online lessons, one-on-one lessons, which, I mean, come on. He's a living legend to a lot of these kids. Yeah. And for him to do- rad. And like guys like Eric, Eric Moore are doing one-on-one lessons. You know, Luke Holland is doing one one-on-one lessons and like Luke Collins, like he's like the new godfather of the young generation coming up. Like he's the guy that's just ripping right now. You know what I mean? Okay. And, yeah. he, and he's a little bit younger than me. I think he's like 27 or 28. Okay. That's um, cool. Um, Cause like, it's good to know too, because uh, it's funny when the whole COVID thing happened, um, my, I have a five-year-old and he is wild. So it's like, I needed to find something to keep him entertained so we bought my wife and I, we bought him an electric kit. So he could awesome. like, so he has the headphones and he could hear like what a real kit sounds like. And he just could smash it. It doesn't you know, yeah. annoy the whole neighborhood. But um, yeah, I just haven't had a chance to get him in lessons. We moved, like I said, we moved to Nashville and, it, and we haven't had a chance to unload everything. So his kit is still in our pod. But when it gets out, yeah. I, I want to find someone to teach him do you feel like lessons would be like did you have lessons at all or yeah yeah okay I, when i was when i was younger i had i had lessons and then i trained in jazz and i actually had a i turned down a scholarship to berkeley back in the day wait what <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh my gosh so you played through high school obviously and then yeah. you you got a you got offered a scholarship to berkeley and you didn't you didn't go yeah because i got in a jumpsuit right at the same time Oh, okay. Well, I guess yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so I had to, Looking I had back, to, that was a good decision. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wow. Uh, it was one of those things. I, uh, I went to an arts high school, so I auditioned on drums and got into the arts high school. And, it, and that one was like a college prep school. So it's nationally known that if you go to this high school for your instrument, that you'll pretty much get a scholarship to college because of it. Wow. Um, Cause what, it, what, what was the, the audition process for that? Well, the school was called Douglas Anderson school of the arts. And it's kind of a f- interesting, funny story. So all the guys that I went to high school with are now in the industry. One of them is Henry Bordeaux, which is one of the biggest, in my opinion, one of the biggest production managers and tour managers in the world. He works for Tyler, the creator right now. Oh, uh, geez. He, he was my upperclassman. So he graduated the year before me, Kyle Ronan, is another one of my good friends. He's the monitor person for Miley Cyrus. He went to my high school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's rad. Okay. Just, yeah, just to name a few. And then uh-huh. um, Ryan Key from Yellow Card oh, yeah. went to my high school. Did he really? Yeah. Okay. Same with, same with LP, the drummer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Did so, you know Ryan Key growing up? or uh, Off and on. Okay. He, he was a little bit older than me. Older? So I, okay. I didn't know him that well. And then uh, I'm trying to think who else. He's a good guy. I interviewed him for this yeah. podcast earlier yeah. or you, when you could still interview people in, in person. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the final thing I'll tell you about the high school, a lot of people don't know this. Wes Borland from Limp Biscuit went to that high school. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. OK, so, so this is like a legendary school, obviously. Yeah, it's just a, it's, a, it's an arts high school. It's a magnet school. So you have to audition in. So it worked out uh, to make a long story short one of the drummers that played at a church that we were associated with just so happened to be the orchestra band director at the arts high school. So they were looking for drummers and he came across me and I'm like, at the time I was in ninth grade about to go into 10th grade. And he goes, 
you know, here's all the music, learn this, practice over the summer, and then come audition for me. Okay. So I, yeah. So I auditioned and I transferred from a, like a private Christian school into the arts high school in 10th grade. That's rad. That's rad. So, but that taught me all the, all the discipline I needed to be on the road. And that gave me way more than lessons because they were, you know, it was, it was like going to a dance Academy. It was very strict. Right. Like, yeah. It's like every day drunk, you know, music, music, yeah. music. It wasn't yeah. like after school for 30 minutes, some guy's going to teach you how to do a drum roll or something. Yeah, <laughs> something exactly. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So I want to talk to you about the newest song, uh, Tranquility. That's the one that you, you teamed up and, did the say it's um what's the organization called again one tree planet oh yeah one tree planet so you've yeah. you've teamed up with one tree planet and tell me about this so you you they, you did some limited edition merch and the, that would go to like the, the what the company and they would yeah. plant trees and not, like mm-hmm. tell me about it a little bit so uh let me pre- uh, preface it with every single kingdom of us song is about things that we go through collectively as human beings so the whole concept of the song is about us not me not you know it's about we it's about us so time is anime was about falling in love and how to deal with that uh burn is the idea that we are living through life not being passionate and but that we need to be there's an awakening that needs to happen that people need to follow their dreams again and not just settle into their nine to fives. Basically, that's a, like a, a rough breakdown. Tranquility was about the fact that we are killing our home. It's a known it's a known fact that we're do, that we're doing that. And I was lucky enough that one of my good friends, again, it all ties back to Jacksonville, my hometown. Her name is Becky, and she works with Cosa Nostra, the PR firm. And I teamed up with her so that I could meet you. Oh, you know? so okay. and she's from my hometown. She just moved to LA uh, in 2020. Um, and it's such a small world that her and I were able to come together on this song. And I'm so excited and happy to be able to team up with her and, her, and that amazing company she works with. Um, so the whole, I always, every single, I think about the idea of like, what can we do to make this bigger than just a song? But what can we do to like bring awareness to something? So mm-hmm. I, I teamed up with One Tree Planet and I even had like a conversation with their board of directors and got the approval to do this thing. Um, and they were all about it. They thought the song was amazing. They, they loved the fact that, because there hasn't been an artist that has just directly said, we're killing our home, let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. Like there's been artists that have kind of been like, oh, you know, lo- we love earth. We love our planet, but no one's been like, hey, you know, our way of life is on fire, you know? Right. I mean? Let's do something about it. <laughs> let's do something. Yeah. Let's do something about it. So once we planted, loved it. Um, and the whole thing was planned out from, we finished the recording in December of last year of, well, I think it was 20, was it 2020? Yeah. In December of 2020, we finished the, the recording of the song. And then from January all the way up until release on earth day was all preparation. Like I, I had everything with, once we planted, ready to go, we did the merch drop um, that was teamed up with Once We Planted as well. Mm-hmm. And we got everything together. And you know what? It's awesome. I was able to team up with these really entrepreneurs, in my opinion. They're called the Sass Brothers. And they are these young guitar player, producer kids that used to play at NAM mm-hmm. in front of all the rock stars. And they were like 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. And they were just shredding at the booths. And they never really got 
the exposure that I believe that they deserved. So I was uh-huh. like, we've got, we've got to bring you guys in and let's do a song together and let's potentially even do an album together. You guys are incredible. And I want the world to know who you are. That's awesome. So, That's awesome. so, so we, I did this, the song with them. They wrote all the music and I did all the vocals. Oh, cool. So did you, but did you have the base of the song ready? Like where you're like, here's what I want to kind of do. And then they riffed around to it or how did yeah, that work? Yeah. So we, so, we, you know, we had like a, we talked through everything and I was like, okay, so you guys are going to send me, we're going to go back and forth because they're in Chicago and I'm in Houston. Okay. So, so we went uh, back and forth until we got the music right. And then I demo everything and literally in my closet. So <laughs> still that's with, cool. Yeah. With it, with an iPhone, I literally just sing directly into an iPhone for all, for all the rough demos. Um, so we, got the demo version done with all the vocal parts. Um, obviously it's like super rough. It's not, you know, right. Of <laughs> the, course. the public will never hear it type thing, but, um, <laughs> but we got all those parts done. And then that's when I was like, all right, guys, we're ready. You guys go record the drums, the guitars and the bass and all that stuff, get it to me and I'll do all the vocals and then we'll get everything together. And we were lucky enough that we had this amazing producer in Chicago who mixed and mastered it awesome awesome kid named andre and he just blew my mind he's doing a lot of uh, up-and-coming bands right now and then he got us connected with chris crummett who does who does dance gavin dance uh and like all these huge artists out of portland and he Mm -hmm. mastered the single so it's the first time that that in my opinion it's the most professional recording that kingdom of us has been able to put out yet because of the connections that happened around it you know, it just, it just, yeah, it, it just came together built, yeah, around the yeah. song. Wow. So it, was, it was a really cool experience for me, um, you know, working remotely during a pandemic, uh, you know, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, I think eventually we will, we will definitely do some shows. That is definitely the plan. Um, but I just don't know when, and I don't sure. know how. Okay. <laughs> Those <laughs> are still it, trying to line this stuff yeah. up, but I mean, obviously you have music. You said you have another song you're, you're ready to drop. Yeah. yeah we have, we have a, another single um, coming soon about how to deal with death and, okay. and how to, you know, what I dealt with, with my father. Mm-hmm. And here I am, he passed in 2014 and in 2021, I'm writing a song directly to him. Like he's speaking to me from the other side and it's called okay. obituary and it's, and it's going to be, you know, everybody has to deal with that in their life. And this is an opportunity for people. I hope people use this song to be able to vent, to be able to feel like that their, their loved ones are still with them. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's the whole point of this next single. Uh, I don't know when it's going to come out. And then there's another song um, called return to love. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you the name uh, return to love. That's going to come out. I believe on welcome records. We're still negotiating right now. Okay. Um, and that if, if people want, I just, I just want people to understand that $1, if you donate $1, they will plant, one tree planted will plant a tree in your honor for $1. That's so cool. So there's, uh, I'll give you guys a link so that you can go and donate. And we have a limited merch drop um, that is just associated with the single. And I'll give you the link to that. And for every shirt that's purchased, we give all proceeds to one tree planted. That's amazing. That is and amazing. And so if you want to, if you want to go to that, it's kingdom, I'm sorry, it's KOURevolution.com slash save dash her. Or you can just go to 
KOURevolution.com and you'll easily find it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and yeah, well, I'll definitely put the link up as well to people listening um, in the article we're going to put out yeah. like on American Songwriter on our website and stuff. So it'll be there as well. Easy to find and, and the easy last, to help. The last thing I'll tell you about One Tree Planted in 2020 alone, they did over 20 million trees were planted during the pandemic. That is incredible. So this is something that is much bigger than any of us. Mm-hmm. And your $1, my $1 goes so far because if we can all donate $1, then that's, you know, they're, that's, they're almost uh, to a billion That's a forest. Trees. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. That is huge. They're almost oh. to a billion trees right now. And, you know, every dollar counts. And it's just, I feel so honored to be able to help out with that. So that's incredible. That's incredible. And thank you so much for for talking with me today, John, I really appreciate it. You've been so awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate everything that you do for Thank all you. of the artists, you know, old guys like me and new guys <laughs> coming up. And, you know, for anybody that's listening to this, man, you can do whatever you want to do. Just put your whole heart into it. I was going to ask you one more. That was my last question. <laughs> I to see if you can elaborate, even if you want, is just if you have any advice to aspiring artists. You kind of answered it earlier yeah. on, but I was I wanted to ask again. Just yeah, I mean, my, my advice to aspiring artists is: I need you guys to understand. When I was younger, I was on MTV. I did the whole thing, and even to this day, I'm still the guy that is going and finding the email address for the person so that I can get my song on a, you know, on a playlist or whatever, be a hustler, no matter what you do. Like if try to connect with someone that is doing more than you are, or that's on the level that you want to get on. Don't be afraid to dry email these people. Don't be afraid to try to contact them. No is okay. But yes, is awesome.